Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the word. Well, are we recording right now, Jess? Okay, great. Because what we want to do right now, uh, Stan Everson, uh, we want to say good morning to you. We, we love you. We're thrilled that you He's not here. He's listening. Stan listens every week. Uh, to our sermons and things, but so we want to say hi to him today and let him know that we're praying for him, okay? So you're going to have to do that really loudly to come through this mic. So you nice and loud and say, hi, Stan. Hi, Stan. Right, there you go, Stan, Fran. We do love you guys. We are praying for you guys. Uh, let you know that this week when he went to chemo, they had problems, the veins I didn't want to cooperate, and I guess chemo is pretty hard in the veins, so they're going to put in a port so that every time he goes, they can just run the chemo directly in. So Stan, uh, we are praying for you about that, and we'll continue to do so. We're asking God for a full recovery for you, and uh, whatever God does or allows, that you would know his presence, his comfort, his encouragement, and that you would honor and glorify him as you've been doing so far. So, all right, so good morning, Stan. What I want to do for just a moment here, and you guys just hang, hang loose here, just relax. No, no, no set, just, just wait. Take your Bibles, if you wouldn't, turn to Isaiah chapter 43. If you uh, don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew, and we're going to be on page 834. Page 834. Back in June of the year 2000, um, I was the associate pastor here. I had uh, what Dave's position is now. Um, I was in the process of, of possibly leaving. We weren't sure what we were supposed to be doing. The church uh, was in need of a pastor here, but we weren't sure that we were supposed to be here, to be honest with you. Um, and so uh, we were on vacation up in uh, New Hampshire, and I was sitting on the, the back porch of our unit, looking out across the golf course, the pine trees, and the mountains in the distance. And that, that week, I just said, God, I don't know what to do. So I, he promptly, I just started reading Isaiah. So I read the book of Isaiah on vacation, just taking my time, going through it. And as I was sitting there uh, one day that week, and I got to chapter 43 and verse number 18. And I read these verses. God said, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I... God talking, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. And I, I just kid you not, this is one of those times when it was just so clear that the Lord spoke to my heart and mind and said, this is, at the time, Temple Baptist Church I'm talking about. And obviously when it was written here, that isn't who he was talking about. But this is what God was speaking to me. That this is what I'm going to do in this church. Okay? And it enabled me to see something and, and to want to be a part of it. Now, there's lots of things in here that I'm not quite sure exactly about. Like, who are the jackals and the ostriches? Maybe it's you guys. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm the beast of the... No. Uh, 
that's not the point, but the idea is I think it's, you know, people who wouldn't necessarily have normally been paying attention and giving honor to the Lord are beginning to. But two things I want you to see. In the beginning, he says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Something new, something different for us here. So I just want to ask a question. How many of you have come to this church after June of the year 2000? Okay. Is God doing a new thing? He is. And that doesn't devalue those of us who are here. I mean, that, we're part of this picture, but he's doing a new thing in our lives too. But I want you to see God is doing these things. And here's what I want you to see. Here's where he's taking us. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. That's already happening, but God's going to do it in an ever greater way. And you are a part of that. I'm a part of that. We are going to declare his praise as a body of believers. And I'm excited about that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that we are a part of what you are doing, that you have done new things in our church, are doing new things. Thank you that you're doing new things in our hearts and minds and, and growing us and, and that we are experiencing your presence and hopefully, Lord, people who, who come, connect with us here, or connect with us outside of here, uh, are meeting you in us. We do want to declare your praise as a people, as a church, when people think of Life Source Church, anybody who knows what we're about will think of you more than they think of us. We ask for that. And I pray as we continue worshiping today that we would even now enter into this in our hearts and minds and think, let's declare your praise, Father, as we worship you here today, for you're worthy of it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's 2015, isn't it? Yes, it is. 2015. Wasn't that long ago that 2015 seemed like way in the future, didn't it? Would you like your life to really count in 2015? Would you? Would you like to be able to reach the end of 2015 and look back and say, my life made a difference. I did something that mattered. Overcame obstacles that had been in my way. Got free from things that had held me. Made a difference in the lives of people I love and the people that God brought my way. I want my life to count. How many of you would say that as you look back on your life, you have some regrets because there were times and maybe long times when it didn't count because you weren't there, you weren't where you need to be, you weren't, yeah. I was thinking about that as, as I was working through this and thinking, well, they, that sounds like an old person talking, right? And it is something I think as we get older, we do start to think about it. We look at our lives and think about where it's been. But let me say to you today, those of you younger folks here from third grade on up, who might not normally think about that kind of thing. But let me encourage you, now's the time to think about it. Those of you who are older, if you want to put yourself up there in a category with me, do you agree that it's when you're younger you ought to be thinking about whether or not your life's going to count? Because there's so many things that just keep you busy and going. So listen, all of you children who are in here today, all of you teens, all of you young adults, now's the time to think about this.
If you can live your life in such a way in 2015 that it counts, you will have laid a foundation. You have laid a foundation for many years to come. Well worth doing. So how are we going to do that? Well, there's three things that need to be like indelible part of your life. An indelible, you've heard of indelible ink, right? Indelible ink, you write it, it won't fade away. Indelible ink, it stays bold and bright. There are three things that need to be an indelible part of your life. Three essential things if your life is going to count. And these three things we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks are, are not necessarily, I'm not saying they're the only things, but they are essential. And I'm not necessarily saying even that they are the most important things, although the thing we're going to talk about today has to be right up there at the top. But these three things, if they become an indelible part of your life, your life will count. It will matter. You will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day with fewer regrets and much greater reward. So entitling this sermon series, Let God Rock Your World. Because if you get a hold of these three things or they get a hold of you, it might be a better way to say it. It will rock your world. It'll turn your world upside down. It'll, it'll kind of take your life and throw it all up in the air. And, but it's going to come back down different. Come back down in a way that God puts together. And it'll be so, so worth it. Father, we ask that today as we open your word that you would keep those promises that you've made to us about your word, that you will speak to us through it, that you will address the thoughts and the intents of our hearts and show us what's really going on deep down inside, and that you will use it to transform our minds and transform our lives because of it. We need you to do this. We need to hear from you today. Dear Spirit of God, speak to us today. Through the word. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. If you're you, uh, using the Bible in the pew, it's page 1353. Page 1,353. And I actually preached a sermon on this passage of Scripture about four months ago, and I usually don't do that, don't overlap. But we're going to be looking at this uh, from somewhat of a different direction today. And I'm confident it's what the Lord wants us to look at here this morning. And so find Colossians chapter 1. I want you to get down to verse 18. To verse 18. And we really only want to look at the last full phrase where it says this, that in all things, he, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, that in all things, he may have the preeminence. Would you read that out loud with me? Read it with me here. That in all things, he may have the preeminence. Preeminence. Eminent meaning high and lofty and lifted up. And, but preeminence means even more than that, higher than that, before that. And really, in a just very practical way, simply put, 
It means that we need to put Jesus first. That sounds simple enough, doesn't it? Put Jesus first. That means when I make my plans for the day, and I don't know when you make the plans for your day, maybe you don't make plans for your day. That's a potential problem. But when you make plans for your day, whether it's the night before, the morning of, or it's gone, you need to, to say, wait a minute, I need to put Jesus first in these plans. And, and when you uh, think about your relationships, Maybe your marriage relationship or your parent-child relationships, brothers, just family, friends, coworkers. You think, I need to put Jesus first in these relationships. What would that mean? When I, when I figure out what I'm doing with my money, get a paycheck or get uh, money from somewhere, I need to think, wait, so how do I put Jesus first here? I, I got to put Jesus first in these things. My plans for life, where I'm going, what I'm doing, need to put Jesus first in these things. Now, in, in one sense, that sounds really simple. Other way, it sounds, wow, that's huge, right? Lots and lots of things. But okay, so it ought to be simple enough. Shouldn't we just be able to say, hey, okay, that, I get it, Walt. Yep, let's put Jesus first. Can we go have the coffee and the donuts now? See, I got bad news for you. You're not able to put Jesus first. I'm not able to either. We're not able. We know we need to. We have some idea about what it might mean. But here's what I mean by it. We, just making the decision, saying, okay, Jesus first. I mean, if, if, when you came in here today, don't, if I had asked you, is Jesus supposed to be first in everything in your life, what would you have said? Well, of course, we get that, we know that. But just making that decision doesn't make it happen. And a wrong way for us to go is to start agonizing over every detail Every moment, every decision gets heavier and heavier and harder and harder and we fail and we struggle. See, that's not the way to do it. And yet God tells us it's supposed to be the reality, so there must be a way to do it, right? And there is. Uh, The Apostle Paul in this passage of Scripture lays it out for us. And leading up to here, and obviously flowing out of it some, but leading up to it, he, he deals with some things. And we're going to be on page 1,352. Paul is going to show us here that there are some things that need to be a part of our lives. Things that need to be going on, maybe things that we need to be doing. And, but these things need to be a part of our lives if we're going to be able to put Jesus first. And then there are some things that we need to remember some things that we need to remember and, and be so grateful for. That, that's crucial that we remember them and be thankful for them if we want to put Jesus first. And then we need to just really give some thought and come to understand who it is we're talking about and what he's really like if we want to be able to put Jesus first. So here in the, the letter to the Colossians, 
Uh, Paul, writing with Timothy, tells them, he said, I'm so excited, I would have heard about you, uh, that you have come to Christ and placed your faith in him, you know the grace of God in truth, you, and it's resulted in your love for other people, the gospel's producing fruit in your lives. He said, I'm so excited about it. And then verse number nine, he says this. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that, ye may be fill, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. All right. You and I will never be able to put Jesus first unless there's some praying going on. You know what prayer does? My wife reminds me all the time. She says, prayer demonstrates that we really are depending on God. That we're not kind of doing this in our own way, our own strength, or just bumping along. No, we're praying. We're talking to God about it. This needs to happen. And so Paul says, we're praying for you about this. We, in fact, we don't stop praying for you. And, and so here's the deal. If we're going to be able to put Jesus first, I need to be praying for me, but I also need to be praying for you. Because somehow your success at putting Jesus first helps me put Jesus first. And I desperately need you to be praying for me. Okay? And so we get this whole idea, praying for each other, that, that we would put Jesus first, that we'd know what that means, and, and we would act on it and do it, okay? But Paul elaborates on this here. He says, not just praying, look at what he says there. He says, and, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Wow, okay. Knowing God's will. Something we often struggle about, Christian young people struggle about. What's God's will? How do I know what God's will is for my life? Well, let me just answer it. I can tell you what God's will is for your life for the most part, okay? It's what he says in his word. And that's what Paul's talking about. He says, when I pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will, he's saying, I'll pray that you'll, you'll know what God says in his word. You'll know what he says is right. You'll know what he says is wrong. You'll know the wisdom and the understanding and Why? And, and you'll get how you're supposed to love and you'll, it'll feed your soul and nourish you. And, and as, as it says over in Hebrews, it's going to go deep down inside and cut and show you the truth. But I want you to be filled with it. So if you're going to put Jesus first, you've got to fill yourself with the word of God. Later in Colossians, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Put Jesus first. You've got to put the word in your life. But he says more than that, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Because here's the deal. If you aren't careful what you start to, you know, you can read this Bible and say, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. But that's not what God intends for us to get from his word. He intends for us to get relationship and life and how it all works together. And so Paul says, I, I pray that you would know his will, that you would know his will with wisdom. You'd be able to say, oh, okay, I see how that applies here. This is God's wisdom. See, I can see how it applies. It's not just a rule. I get how it works. And spiritual understanding. And the idea is this, that you start to see, wait a minute, this is a God thing. I'm starting to understand what God's doing here. I can start to understand what he's, what he's doing in my life and, and how this works. I'm getting it. And so that Paul says, we've got to be praying for each other that we are getting it. 
Have there ever been a time in your life when you realize you didn't get it? And so this whole idea of understanding God's will with all wisdom and spiritual understanding reminds me of an auto mechanic. Uh, been doing auto mechanics for years and, um, you know, does a great job, fixed just about anything. Uh, and we had a missionary here visiting with us, Lyle Armstrong, our missionary to Lebanon. He and his family were here and they had friends they connected with in Massachusetts and they, they were staying in our apartment here, but they were meeting and they, they were over at the Auburn Mall. And I get a phone call from them. Uh, our van won't start. We tried to jump, start it. It won't start. We're doing all this stuff. It won't start. Do you know a mechanic? <coughs> so I called the mechanic I know. Okay? And some of you have heard this story before, but I called him and, and told him what was going on. And he said, well, what kind of vehicle are they driving? And I, 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 I think I had to call back and find out and call back. And he said, oh, okay, he says, they need to find a stick and climb under it and hit the gas tank three or four times. <laughs> I was like embarrassed to call the missionary. <laughs> yeah, this is the best you can do. I got a mechanic, hit the gas tank with a stick. Fifteen minutes later, they pull in the parking lot, worked. One of this mechanic didn't just know the basic of the cars. He had some wisdom. He had some understanding of how things really worked and what might be going on. And that's the kind of understanding and uh, an awareness of what God says that we need. And so we need to pray for each other that we would have that. And, and then he continues in the next verse. He says that you may walk worthy of the Lord. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Now, this idea of walking worthy, we want to be careful because our natural approach to, to life and to Christianity says somehow we've got to keep trying to measure up. Because all through life, people expect you to measure up, don't they? Measure up for this, measure up for that. And so if we aren't careful, we start thinking that's what we have to do with God. That's not what this passage means. That's not what it means when he says that you would walk worthy of the Lord. What he's saying is because you've trusted Christ, there are certain things that are true in your life. There's certain things that are true about God and your relationship with him. And what you want to do is begin to bring your life into alignment with those things and live out the truth of those things so that your life begins to match that truth. Does that make sense? In other words, he has forgiven you. He has given you life. He does have plans and purpose for you. He will never leave you, forsake you. Uh, all of these things. And so your, your, your life begins to match up with that. And as you do, he is pleased. You know, he always loves you. He always accepts you. But when our lives begin to match the truth of what he said, he's pleased. And so we need to be about this. If we're going to be able to put Jesus first, we've got to see our lives start to match the truth of what God has said about us. And, and he continues then. He says, when you do this, he goes on, he says, um, Bearing fruit in every good thing, every good work, bearing fruit. And so as we bring our lives into alignment, it changes the way you live. You start to do things differently, like we talked about earlier. You're making your plans for the, the day. Now you start thinking, wait, I need to put Jesus first. 
What does that mean? I need to live according to this word. What does that mean? And it starts to change how you live. You make different decisions that day. You make different decisions in your relationships. You make different decisions in your finances. You make different decisions in your plans for your life. All of these kinds of things. And what does it do? It produces good fruit. The results are good. How many of you in your life have ever sown a lot of seeds and then prayed like crazy that they that wouldn't grow up in your life? Because it was bad stuff? Yeah. We're talking now about sowing some good seed that will bear fruit. Making different kind of decisions. Working to put Jesus first. And then he says this, that, that bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, Knowledge, we think intellect, right? Intellect. But this knowledge we're talking about here is more than intellect. It's about knowing in a personal way, knowing by experience. You see, as your life begins to change, right? You're, you're praying and you're, you're starting to understand and then you're bringing your life uh, up to, to match what God has said is true. He's pleasing. You're beginning to bear good fruit and now you start to have these, oh, moments. You're increasing in your knowledge of God. You're increasing in your knowledge of how he works, what he does, what he wants, why he wants it. Increasing in the knowledge of God. And then then he continues and he says this. Strengthened, verse number 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. You can't do it on your own. You just can't. I'm living testament to this because in my early years as a Christian, hey, God changed my life. Let me tell you, he changed my life in so many ways. And I got serious about following him. But you know what I did? I'm going to put Jesus first. And I worked harder at it and harder at it and harder at it. And it was still a struggle, still a battle, and couldn't quite do it. So I figured, well, we got to be a little more radical. Got to do something a little more extreme. Got to read more. Got to memorize more. Got to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And it never clicks. And finally come to the conclusion that, you know what? I can't really, I can't make this happen. Only God can produce that change in my heart. But does that mean I don't have to do anything? I say this because here's the thing. Dave and I were talking about this week and I'm trying to figure out how do we explain this difference because here's, all right, okay, Jesus first. Go ahead. Go ahead, God. Right? I'm all set. Go ahead. Where's my coffee? It doesn't work that way. There are things that we have to do. Um, but it's like this. If you go to the subway in Boston, And you stand down in there and you look down in the the track and how many rails does a train need to roll on? But there's three rails there. Have you noticed that? The third rail is the one that will kill you. It's the power rail. And so it is, there are things that we need to do to put ourselves on those two rails. We need to be opening in God's word. We need to be, you know, getting together with Christians. We need to be talking. We're putting ourselves on those rails. Oh, but we need God the power of God to come into that. Because when you sit and read your Bible by yourself, thankfully God's word is powerful anyway and it cuts through a lot of stuff. 
But when you just read it because it's an academic exercise and I'm trying to get information, it's a whole different thing when one day you read it in the power of God. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you say, yeah, I've been there once or twice or more in my life? Yeah, it's real, isn't it? And if we're going to put Jesus first, we need that. So we have to open ourselves up to the power of God. And by the way, his power is enough. His power is the one that spoke that whole universe into existence out there. His power is the one that raised Jesus from the dead. I've never seen anybody or anything come back from the dead. He has that power. So that's the power that's available to us. And we need it. And we have to say, oh God. See, all of this, so far we've been talking, you know, Paul says, praying always for you. This is the list. I'm praying that you'll know his will. I'm praying that you'll you know, walk worthy of him and, and please him, that your life will match up, you, that you'll increase your knowledge of God. I'm praying for you. And so we want God to work. We're asking him to do a work because we're a real piece of work. We need God to work. So remember, just our decision to put Jesus first doesn't make it happen. We have to make that decision. We're getting on the rails when we make that decision. But now we need him to do these things in our lives. But notice this. He says, strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, all might. What's it say? Look at it there. For all patience and long-suffering. See, we need the strength for a lot of things. But Paul makes it very clear here that was you set out in life to say, I'm going to put Jesus first. That you are going to find out that you need patience. And you need to be willing to suffer, if need be, for a long time. Because here's the deal. Once again, just putting Jesus first, does that make any change in your life? Saying, I'm going to put Jesus first. Yes, it does. It makes a difference, but it doesn't produce everything. That's a process. It's like this. Can you imagine being the absolute worst football team in the NFL? Who is that, by the way? I don't even know. (laughs) I heard the Jets and then the Bills. Sorry, Jeff. And now the Bills have the Jets coach. That ought to be a great thing. Whoever it is. But imagine this. And so they, you know, they have a little power and they're talking about this. You know, we are the worst team. We, We don't want this. We want to change. We need to change. In fact, let's do what it takes to change. Okay, I know what we need to do. We need new uniforms. Sharp uniforms, and we need to change the theme music when we come out on the field, and that song's exciting. And okay, and, and will that make any difference? Well, actually, it will make a difference because it will make a difference in how they feel about what they're doing and what's going on. It might make a very quick difference. Oh, but there's a whole lot more stuff that needs to happen, doesn't it? There's a whole long process of things that have to happen. There's a lot of hard work and suffering that's going to go into that. And see, this is the same way as in our Christian life. We decide, yes, I do want Jesus first. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what I want. Put Jesus first. Okay, I'm going to try, try and do that. And it's exciting. And you do make some change and you experience some changes. But the reality is, there's a whole lot of stuff that has to change. And it's, you're not, you don't even know what it all is now. And, and you're going to be making those changes and God's going to show you another one, another one, another one. And sometimes you have to go through hardship to see it because you never would have seen it any other way. 
And so God, Paul says, I'm praying for you that you'd have the power of God in your life so that you can be patient for that process, so you can hang in there when it gets hard, when it hurts, because you have set your heart on putting Jesus first and the power of God is going to bring that about in your life. And so these things need to be going on in our lives. We need to be praying for each other about these things, praying for ourselves and for, for one another in it. And then Paul transitions. Still talking about talking to God. The next verse there, he says, thanking, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So uh, he says now there's some things that we need to be thankful for. By the way, who would you rather hang around with? Someone who is just so grateful for what you've done in their lives and for someone who feels like you owe them everything you did for them. Is that an easy choice? The thankful person. Why? Because it changes them, doesn't it? A thankful person has an open heart, a readiness, a, 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 the relationship can be. So he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. You see, we're born, un, we're, we're actually conceived and born unqualified. And really, we might say disqualified. Our sins have separated us from God, every one of us. And yet, God sends his own son into the world. You know, this is the story of the cross, isn't it? God sends his own son into the world who lives a perfect and sinless life, lives the kind of life that that ought to have been lived from the beginning. And somehow he he goes to the cross and he dies on the cross. Wasn't a pretty one like this. He dies on that cross and God the Father takes the guilt and the penalty for all of my sin and all of your sin and places it on Jesus as he dies. And he dies paying the penalty for our sins. Rises again from the dead. Victorious over all this. And and this is where the Bible says that, that there was a trade made for us when we come to Christ. He gets our sin, we get his righteousness. We who were unrighteous now made righteous. He has qualified us for our relationship with him. He's qualified us for the inheritance of the saints in the light, in the, the, you know, the bright and, and sunny day. And, and then it continues in the next verse, something else we had to be thankful for. When he says we're in the inheritance of the saints in the light. And then he says he delivered us from the power of darkness. Look at it there in your Bible. He delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. And so it's like this, that moment for me, April 4th, 1975, coming up on 40 years ago that I received Christ as Savior. April the 4th, 1975, I finally said, okay, I'm not saved. I I know I'm not. And I, I received Christ. I trust what he did for me. God took me from being under the power of darkness and conveyed me into the kingdom of the son of his love. You see, before we come to Christ, we are under the power of darkness. Dark place. Any of you remember it? A dark place. And he has removed us from the power of it. 
We don't ever have to be controlled by it again. We can be living out this life in the kingdom of the son of his love. Uh, you know, this is why it, it amazes me and hits me. Is why as Christians do we go back under and mess around with the power of darkness? But every time you choose to sin, you do that. Every time you choose to try to get as close to the line as you can, you do that. You don't have to. And we have reason to be grateful because before you came to Christ, you had no options. You were under the power of darkness. Now you don't have to be. Isn't that something to be thankful for? I mean, darkness comes into our lives and it hits us and it's overwhelmed us. But, you know, we can open up the word and we can listen to God and we can believe him and we can respond to him and we can share with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the darkness goes away. We are no longer under the power of darkness. Something to be so grateful for. And then he says this. Talking about the kingdom, the son of his love in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. You see, before we came to Christ, we belonged to the enemy. We belonged to the enemy camp. We were captives there. We were slaves to sin. And I don't care what your life looked at like in the, to the people in the world around you, you were a slave to sin. But God redeemed you. That means he bought you back. When Jesus died on the cross, shedding his blood for you, he, he purchased you. You belong to God now. I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have got a really lousy boss and would like to work for a better one? Well, before you came to Christ, your boss was Satan. And now God is your owner. Hmm. That sounds like a good deal. Next time you feel like God's asking you to do something hard, think about if Satan was your boss. Okay? The forgiveness of sins. How huge is that? How many sins have you committed in your life? Uh, you know, I like to play with numbers sometimes. And so if you, let's say you didn't start, you didn't really understand until you were 12 years old. Let's just take that as kind of an arbitrary. I think a lot of us understand before we're 12. But you don't really understand until you're 12. And so the day you hit 12, you start sinning. Uh, and you know it. And is three a day, three sins a day, a conservative estimate? Sundays we have really bad days. Sundays we might do better. You, you can reach point. You don't have to sin every day. We're not saying that, but that's a thousand sins a year. If I've only committed three a day, that means I'm up to 47,000. The forgiveness of sins. Every sin ever committed, ever will commit, never to be held against you in eternity. Forgiven. Forgiven. If you're going to put Jesus first, you've got to understand these things. You've got to remember these things. That'll motivate you, won't it, to put Jesus first? And you remember what he did for you? All these changes that he made in your life? All right, and so then we have to uh, understand who it is we're talking about. And so Paul continues here, talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. This means that, do you want to see God? And I know we can't see Jesus with our eyes today because he's not alive on earth, but he was. 
You want to see God, what he would be like? I mean, Jesus. Look at Jesus. Find out what God was like, what he is like. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn is a term of rank and authority and responsibility. It's not such a big deal in our culture, but in many of the Eastern cultures, the firstborn son has great responsibility, and he's actually entrusted with ruling over the affairs of the father. And so that's Jesus' role, okay? Firstborn over all creation. And this is the next verse. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him, and here's a biggie, and for him. So the Lord Jesus Christ has created everything that is, from the smallest little particles and how they function to the massive universe and everything in between. I mean, it sounds silly, but I'm sitting this morning praying, uh, talking with God, and talking about these things and other things, and a, a little red squirrel pops up on my deck and runs around, sniffs, and does, and picks, and chomps, and da 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 That seems silly to you, but Jesus designed that thing. And I sit at the back door looking through my glass, of the, the plate glass door, and all of a sudden the thing goes... I don't think it's because I was human. I think it's because the way I look in the morning. <laughs> but this is God. He's the one who designed everything. He created everything. And he created it for himself. We get to enjoy it. But he created it for himself. For his plans. For his purposes. And then he continues. And he is before all things. In other words, he, he was there before it all existed. And he's before all of it in the sense of being over it and more important. And... and and in him all things consist. You know, if Jesus stopped holding the creation together, it'd just be gone. He holds it together, keeps it operating the way he intended for it to, with the exception of the curse of sin in it. And he, now, so that's creation. He's over all creation. And then it says this, and he is the head of the body, the church. Now he's moved into our realm. He's made another creation. That's me and that's you and that's us together. The church, he is the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning? He's the beginning of the church, the beginning of life. The firstborn from the dead. That means he's the first to rise, just as we are all going to rise that life. I mean, he has, has this position. And then Paul brings us all to a close in this section. These things need to be in your life. You need to be getting filled with the knowledge of his will. You need to be living a life that matches him, bearing fruit, growing in your knowledge of him. You need to have his strength actively at work in your life so you can hang in there and endure. Oh, by the way, don't forget everything that he's done for you. He's forgiven you. He's, he's pulled you away from the power of darkness. And he is over all creation. It's for his purposes. He is the head of the church and all that he's doing. All of these things so that he may have the preeminence. So that he may be first in all things. And so, there need to be certain things happening in our lives. And there's certain things we need to remember and be grateful for. And there's certain things we need to understand and remember about him. And when these things are 
part of our lives, we can genuinely make progress at putting Jesus first. Do you want Jesus to be first in your life today? If you haven't received Christ as Savior, you've got to start there. Just got to say to him, oh, I know I've sinned and, and I, I've received Christ and we'd love to help you with that. Talk to us or use a communication card and write that out for us. For those of you who already know him, do you want him to be first? It's what you were made for. All right, I'm going to ask you to take a step on that. If you really want Jesus to be first or you want it to keep him being first because you've already been to this place and made this decision and working on it, we want to be praying. I'm going to ask you uh, just to, to come up here. Just get up as close as you can and join me up here. Okay, so just come on. Don't wait. If you want Jesus first, come on up. Let's do this. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable moving, that's your call. You don't have to. But if you would like to, come up here. I want to pray with you. And then we're going to act on this in some other ways. Don't worry, nothing weird's going to happen up here. Something real's going to happen up here, but nothing weird. All right. First thing that we want to do up here, just wherever you can come to, don't worry about how far up you are. We're coming here together. That Jesus would be first. He'd be first. He'd be first in me, first in you, first in us, first in his church. And that ain't going to happen unless we're praying for each other. So what I want you to do right now is just bow your heads. And, and if you want to pray out loud, you can, but certainly you pray silently. Would you just take a little bit and let's just pray for each other about this? Father, I pray that you do this work in our lives. It's what you've called us to. It's what you've created us for. I pray that you would be first in our lives. And, and Lord, we're going to forget that. We're going to make decisions that aren't in line with that. We ask you to work in our lives and bring us more and more into conformity with living as Jesus first. And remind us to pray for each other about this. And trust that your power is going to engage and make the difference. You are worthy of this, Lord Jesus. You are creator of all things. You are the head of this church. You have redeemed us. We belong to you. You are worthy of this. Be first. Be first. Remind us to put you first. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Now we're going to sing together, all of us, okay? We're going to sing this song to the Lord. To the Lord, take my life. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow. Ceaseless praise. Take my hands and 
We ask that this would not be just a, a right now thing, but it would be as we go away from here today that your spirit would bring to mind, put Jesus first. We pray about it, take steps on it, see you work, grow, and remember that you're worthy and that you've certainly earned it in our lives. We want to put Jesus first and not just as individuals, but as your church. May this church be about the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.